Welcome to Conversations for the Animals. My name is Lisa Tynan, and I am thrilled to be joined today by Jeanette Savage. Um, Jeanette Savage is with the Pearland Parvo Recovery Center, mm -hmm. who is a fabulous partner of Houston Pet Set, and I'm excited to talk about everything that we do together. But today we're going to be learning about parvovirus. And for our rescue partners, that word makes them cringe, right? That is like the big capital P bad word. Um, but for just, you know, average pet owners, they may not know what it is. So today we're going to get a little scientific. We're going to get a little granular and we're going to really learn what parvovirus is. We're going to talk about how to prevent it, how it gets treated, where your group comes in and, and what you've done for the rescue community and for the animals of Houston, because parvo is, is a big deal here, right? Yeah, so to start, Tell me about you. Who are you, Jeanette? And, and how did you get into to working in this very specific field? Well, I always say Pearland Parvo Recovery started with a question. And the question was, is that true? And the what happened was that several years ago, I am not from the rescue community. Okay. I My background is I was a first responder with the state of Louisiana for 15, 20 years. Wow. And then we moved to Texas. So I come from the human side of medicine. But I have a neighbor who does rescue work. And she had, back in 2019, in the spring of 2019, she had a litter of parvo puppies, Ooh. all of which passed. And I then later on was actually helping her with the next litter she had transport those puppies. We were going to transport and we were talking about the litter she just lost. And I heard the rescue, heads of the rescue saying, well, you know, it's usually you're gonna lose them anyway because it's too expensive for rescues to ever treat parvo. Right. My parents jokingly say, I didn't say mom and dad first, I said, why? <laughs> and I remember going back in the car saying, is that really true? You can't treat parvo? Well, it's too expensive was the answer. Right. So I, being loving to do research, went back and started on the internet researching and came upon Austin Pets Alive mm -hmm. out of Austin. And there are two veterinarians up there that about 20 years ago started a Parvo IC unit Okay, and wrote a protocol, developed a Parvo IC unit up in Austin with Austin Pets Alive, and they had posted all of their information out on a wiki. Yay, internet. <laughs> yes. And I said, okay, I read this and I went, okay, this would work. We could be, you, you can treat parvo. It is true, not true that the rescue community cannot treat it. They cannot treat it inside of a hospital. Right. The question to me was at the time, I did not know why. Mm -hmm. I took that information and I contacted the veterinarian I have for my distemper survivor dog, Dr. Manley May. And I asked to meet with him and I sent it to him and I said, what do you think about this? Could this be done as working only with rescue dogs? Mm -hmm. And could you do it down at a cost level that rescues could pay for? Right. I'll never forget walking into his office that day and he looked at me and he said, the answer to your questions is yes. He said, you need three things. You need a good protocol. Mm -hmm. And Austin Pets Alive has written an awesome one. He said, I would tweak it a little bit, but they've written an off, Austin one, off, awesome one, sorry. 
you need a building. Okay. Because what you have to do to treat Parvo financially within a rescues budget is get it isolated. You have to get it contained in a space so that it cannot affect the general population. Right. He said, and then the third thing is we need kit. Now, I at the time thought, what is a kit? <laughs> Turns out kit was his office manager. Oh, it, it, it was a who? It was a who is a kit? Okay. Um, you needed a good person who could resource meds and things of that nature okay. for you. Okay. And that began a relationship that we still have today. Dr. Manley May oversees our program, and we work in a way that we have set protocols that are developed for the treatment of protocols okay. of Parvo. There are certain meds that we can administer in the treatment. We've been given permission. Here are the charts of uh, the dosage charts. Minister them at this level. Okay. Then there are certain things that we call on Dr. May or his associates, and they say, "No, we're prescribing this." Okay. And that's how Paraland Parvo works. We are we have vet techs, we mm -hmm. have vet assistants, and we have oversight from a, a veterinarian. And basically, Dr. May explained to me, if you did those things, he felt we could get the price down into the range where rescues could then start to try to say, okay, we're going to take a chance on these dogs. Oh, that's awesome. And I can tell you that I have been amazed at the rescues in the Houston area. We work in Dallas and Louisiana and a couple other states. I'm amazed at their courageousness to take this on. Treating parvo dogs is not for the faint of heart. No. Not only our work is not for the faint of heart, but taking the risk on these dogs is very, very important um, and difficult for these rescues. Right. It's scary work. Yeah. Because of the fact that they're going to have to accept the fact that they could lose the dog. Right. Now, we are able to save approximately between 75 to 80 percent of all the dogs. That's amazing. Uh, it It is. It is amazing. But you still, it's heartbreaking for a rescue when they lose one. Right, right. Of so course. I, my hat is off to the, I tip my hat to all of the rescues here in Houston. They are very courageous. They're, and, and committed. So for <clears throat> the uninitiated, because we've said Parvo a million times. Uh, what is parvo? What is parvovirus? And feel free. I mean, I, I, having worked in this field, I know at a very high level what parvo looks like and and what it can do very quickly to a dog. But tell us a little bit about the diseases. I'm I'm excited here for for those who are actually watching. I have notes that I get to look at. We're going to post these uh, <laughs> so that everyone else can follow along. But it's I feel like it's very important for people who ever come into contact with puppies, whether it's in rescue or in their own personal life, to actually know what parvovirus is, why it is so important to prevent, and and what it looks like and, and how to recognize it so that you can act quickly. Okay. Parvovirus is one of the hardiest, most contagious viruses that exist for dogs. The only one that tops it is distemper. Okay. Distemper is probably more contagious. Parvovirus is everywhere. Parvo <laughs> is don't everywhere. Say that. I'm I know. sorry. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that here in Houston, in this area, we live in the perfect petri dish for mm. Parvo. We have hot, humid climates, we have a high water table. 
Mm. We have frequent rain and flooding, but maybe not this summer. Yeah, where but is normally, that <laughs> right now. normally we have quite a bit of moisture in the soil. It is the perfect place for parvo to grow. Wow. Therefore, the last conversation I've had with vets this year is basically it's everywhere. Hmm. And the recommendation you'll hear from most vets today is do not let your dogs out on any soil until they've gotten two to three vaccinations. Okay. Because the vaccinations for parvo are highly effective. So a vaccinated dog is a very safe dog in our environment. An unvaccinated dog is not. Okay. Parvo is extremely easy to spread. That's one of your first sheets there. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize how many different ways dogs can run into parvo. Right. One of the examples that I we teach in our medical fostering class is when we're trying to talk about how easy it is for parvo to spread. Mm -hmm. the, let me say one other thing. Parvo is also one of the hardiest viruses that Cannot exist in it. a day. <laughs> it's very hard to kill. Right. It can live in the soil for six months to a year. Ugh. It can live in your house, even with your house being decontaminated with the proper chemicals. It can still exist there for 90 to 120 days. It is a hard virus to kill. It's also a virus that is easy to spread. It's a bad combination. It is. And, and that's why it has been so difficult for rescues to take it on. Right. And why hospitals, to, to defend them just a little bit, why we you see the high price of treating it in a hospital environment. Sure. The, what they have to employ to protect the general population from a parvo dog is quite significant. It's not like normal hospital treatment. Right. They have to gown up. It's more what you saw, with the exception of the, the uh, oxygen, mm -hmm. with COVID. Literally, wow. you have to gown up like that. You have to use proper PPE. It's a lot of work to treat a parvo dog. Parvo virus, and this is the example we use with the medical fosters, if you give me just a second. Mm -hmm. I tell them, all right, I want you to imagine that you have puppies in your house, and your puppies... You have a litter of puppies and they go and you let them in the house because you want to make them happy and you want them to be social and right. all this kind of stuff. And they are starting to break with parvo and you don't know it because they're actually contagious about three days before. And they can be shedding up to three days before the first clinical symptoms happen. Wow. So their little noses, dogs being what dogs do, mm -hmm. they have to smell each other's back ends. <laughs> And then they go and they have to go see what this leg on this table is and this leg on this chair is. Uh, and they just planted parvovirus on the leg of that chair. Oh, no. So you're, you get parvo with this dogs. You get them all taken up, yeah. out, and all that kind of stuff. Or they don't break. Your next litter comes in fully unvaccinated. You want to do the same thing. You want to make sure you clean your house, everything. But do you clean the legs of your chair? Probably not. Most I don't think I ever don't. have. <laughs> you don't do that. So you bring the next litter of puppies in, and those little suckers go, and they go, what is that on that leg of chair, on that chair? And they go smell it, and they just got parvo in their nose, and you're off to the races. It is that easy wow. for, for it to spread from animal to animal, which is why it's very hard for us, why we say vaccinate. Get the dogs vaccinated mm -hmm. as quick as we can to give them a floor of antibodies that starts protecting them in case they run into the virus right. because it could be anywhere. Anywhere. So two questions for you. Number one, 
how early can you vaccinate for parvo? Most vets, a ordinary dog that you would get, say from a, a good breeder or something like that, will tell you wait till they're eight weeks. Eight weeks they okay. prefer to start at eight weeks. The rescue community and the rescue world, we start at six weeks. Right. I have actually vaccinated dogs earlier than that, but you always need to do it under vet supervision if you're going to vaccinate before six weeks. Right. And so the second question is, if you don't vaccinate, what does a dog with parvo look like? What is it doing to their body and, and why is it so deadly? Okay. The first thing that happens when a dog gets exposed to parvo mm -hmm. is it will go into their system and it hits the lymph glands in your throat. Okay. Because it's going to hit the immune system first. And you will, and we actually now, when we parvo test, you used to only do parvo testing with a fecal, with a mm -hmm. rectum, rectal swab. We now do swabbing the throat and then we swab for feces. Huh. Because parvo appears earlier in the lymph glands than it does in their actual feces. Wow. I had no idea. Yes. So it'll go in and it attacks through that avenue and it'll start to invade the body. And once it starts to replicate, it goes in two directions. It goes to the blood and starts taking the immune system down. And then it heads to the gastrointestinal and starts interrupting the entire gas, you know, eat, you know, poop, the whole process. Mm -hmm. But that's where you get the diarrhea, the vomiting and all the things of that nature. That all can happen from exposure to anywhere from three to five days is when we normally see symptoms start. Okay. That one to three day period is where this is starting in the throat. You don't see anything from the dog. The dog does not show you a sign at all. Right. Often the first sign that people will see in a dog that has parvo, especially puppies, is they'll stop eating. Okay. I always say that if you have a puppy that suddenly one day doesn't eat, especially in puppies, question, there's a problem. Okay. Puppies will eat, <laughs> and, eat, and, eat, and, eat. Yeah. eat. Now, an adult dog may decide not to eat, mm -hmm. but a puppy will always eat. Okay. Um, the next symptoms that come on are often, look. Um, they just, it, it, people say they just don't look right. right. There's something wrong. You can see it in their eyes. And maybe 12 hours later, you've got the first start of either vomiting or you've got a loose stool. One of the two that happen. And then you progress into the disease from there that's the kind of how the, is, the virus gets into the body. Mm -hmm. And once it hits the, the lymph system and takes the immune system down, then you have an autoimmune compromised dog, okay. which means it is open to everything. Right. Every parasite, upper respiratory, the, many parvo dogs have secondary um, types of conditions, whether okay. they be infections, parasites, things of that nature. So is this is getting a little morbid, but is that what eventually they succumb to as a secondary infection? Or is it the fact that they can't retain any nutrients because everything is just passing right through them? The first thing that they'll succumb to is dehydration. Okay. Because they can't keep anything in them. Okay. They will succumb to dehydration. So they fluids are paramount. Paramount. That. Okay. That's the first line. When we get a parvo dog in, once we've assessed, the first thing we do is assess will they drink. Okay. If they'll drink on their own, we were ahead of the game because they still will hydrate themselves. Even if we add in hydration, whether it be through sub Q or IV, okay. they will actually help to hydrate themselves. So hydration, dehydration is the first thing that will take them out. The second thing that will take them out is the blood glucose. They're not eating. So their blood sugars drop. Tanks. They go into 
you know, they can have seizures, all kinds of things okay. of that nature because they don't have the proper blood glucose level. The final thing that often gets them and it gets many of them is some type of bacterial infection that turns septic. Okay. Because they have no immune system. Right. They okay. have no way of fighting, which is why when you're treating parvo, you use we usually use one to two antibiotics and a whole host of things to try to help support. You can't cure parvo. Right. You cannot cure it. You can only support the dog through the illness. And you're trying to support the three things that will kill them. Okay. Dehydration, blood glucose, you know, blood sugar, mm -hmm. and if they get a secondary bacterium. Okay. Amazing. This is, a th I feel like I should have known this, but like I'm, no. I'm learning a ton, ton, which is awesome. Um, uh, just as a reminder, this is Conversations for the Animals, and we're talking with Jeanette Savage of Pearland Parvo Recovery Center. So now that we kind of have an idea of what parvo is and why it is terrible and mm -hmm. why we want to vaccinate against it, where does your organization come in? At what point are you stepping in or are, are groups coming to you and saying, we need help? And, and once you have the animals in your care, what, what happens? What's the process for them? We come in when they know what they've got problem. We, okay. we require that either we test the dog to know, we, to know that we've got a parvo positive dog or they test the dog. Okay. Sometimes we'll take or what are called exposed dogs. So we've got a litter. One of them tested positive, two did not. Okay. I don't like to take exposed dogs because the minute you walk through our door, our place has parvo in it. Right. That there's, they're exposed to it. And even if they've been exposed to it one time, you don't want to keep exposing them because odds are eventually they're going to get it. It's going to happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. So we try not to take in exposed dogs. Um, part of our 2023 mission is to try to figure out how we can have two separate facilities, uh, one that would be exposed. Okay. Now, that's kind of a pipe dream, and we're still, financially, we hadn't figured it out, but it would be wonderful to have a treatment and then an exposed facility, a place where we could put the exposed dogs, put our staff in there to watch them mm -hmm. so that we could catch it extremely early. Because right. if we can catch Parvo as it starts up and we can stop that dehydration, we can keep them, keep them with food in their system, we can often save them. Our highest success rate is in the early catches. Sure. Uh, if we get to the bloody diarrhea stage, we, we've got a battle coming back right. out of there. Right. So we'll do that. They test the rescues. will either through a vet's or they'll come through a vet clinic, vet hospital, or they'll come to us and we'll test them. Mm -hmm. If they're testing positive, we intake them. Okay. And we immediately start our protocols that are set up for the treatment of parvo, depending on whether we're looking at a mild case, a moderate case, or a severe case. We treat them. Treatment usually takes three to seven days. Okay. Around that time, you know, the really, when we catch them early, we can get them out of there and get them through the, into recovery three, about three, four, four days. That's faster than I thought. Okay. And recovery occurs when clinical symptoms stop. Okay. Now, parvo itself, you don't recover from parvo in three to four days. Sure. Because a dog sheds for 14 days afterwards. All right, they will shed the virus when they poop and all. Man, that and thing they, is hardy. <laughs> it's terrible. It's horrible. But so we put them through the treatment at our treatment center. Okay. And then at, severe dogs can take up to seven days because it's a little bit of a battle. We put them through that. When they go into clinical recovery, 
we move them into what we call recovery facilities. If we have one available, many of the rescues have people that are already parvo exposed their homes. Okay. So they said, we'll foster the dogs. We just want to have the ability to call you if we run into something, if sure. we need advice, which phone calls are free. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. There's no charge for phone calls. We always have somebody willing to answer your questions. That's awesome. Uh, I lost my thought there for a second. So we that we put them through the treatment phase and then we put them into the recovery phase. Recovery takes anywhere from about 14 days. Around day 10, somewhere between day 10 and day 14, depending on how severe they were, we start to test them okay. to see, are you now parvo negative? Got it. If they're testing parvo negative, and if they test parvo negative on day 14, we're almost 90, 99% sure there's no shed going on. We then bathe them very good to make sure that we don't send Parvo back. <laughs> and we send them back to the rescue. So the rescues are, hopefully everybody who's listening is aware of, mm -hmm. of where you are. But I'm, I'm assuming you have pretty good relationships with the rescues and, and you're getting phone calls a lot. Um, and like you said, they're, they're doing the brunt of the work there. In terms of numbers... How many cases are you seeing at a time? How many are coming in and out? Are you ever having to turn rescues away because you're full? Oh, the answer is yes. yes. Okay. At, the, at times, we try not to. Um, we will also work with, sometimes, there's a lot of really savvy rescuers yeah, out there. Oh, yeah. They're very, in fact, we've trained a bunch of medical fosters. And, and what we do with them is if I don't have an opening, if PPRC does not have an opening, we'll try treatment in place. Oh, okay. And I'm going to make this statement now for all rescues, for anybody who wants to deal with Parvo, you need to have a very good relationship with a vet. Yeah. Oh, yes. I have talked to several vets over the past three years who rescues were setting up a relationship with, and we've been able to talk about how could we do home treatment? If we can't get them into the center, right. what can you, are you willing to prescribe to let them go home and take attempt to support the dog until an opening comes to us. Vets in this area are very open to that. That's Many great. of them. Now, some of them are still a bit hesitant because it's new. I, sure. Five years ago, this did not exist. I mean, it was either put them in the hospital or euthanize them. Right. It was a black and white decision. Right. It, this has opened up a whole, the partnership between PPRC and the rescues mm -hmm. in in this um, city has opened up a whole new world of how we're going to deal with this disease. And if you have a good relationship with the vet, then sometimes you can actually care for these mild cases in your home and get them through them. That's fabulous. And and about those relationships, you know, one of the things that Houston Pet Set does, as most of our listeners know, is that we we grant funds to groups that are mm -hmm. doing work. And, and one of the reasons we love supporting PPRC is that you know, our, our dollars are going to affect multiple rescues at once. You know, mm -hmm. one one grant to PPRC is is actually affecting however many rescues at a time have have pets in your care. Um, but that brings me to the next point, which is you are a nonprofit as well. Yes. And so for our listeners and our viewers, if you feel like supporting a phenomenal group that's that is doing really, like you said, new and exciting work in the field of, of medical rescue, um, you need donations. And, and hopefully by the time this airs, your air conditioning will be fixed. <laughs> but in the event that it is not, support PPRC so that their staff has air conditioning in the building. Um, what a time for it to go out. Um, 
I want to I want to wrap up a little bit and and talk about first of all I I meant to ask this question earlier. You only work with rescues, correct? You know, Joe Schmo and his dog can't just call you up for help right. with. Okay. So And that's a Texas law. Okay. That that and if you talk to your vet, they'll tell you because of the way Texas law is set up, we can work without a veterinarian on staff. On staff. Okay. If it's a privately owned dog, Texas law will not allow you to intake a privately owned dog okay. without a vet having a hands-on examination. Got it. Okay. So that, and that makes perfect sense because yeah. we, there's, there's a lot of liability involved in, the, in yeah. the life of this animal. So for our rescues and for our, um, pet owners alike, what are, what are your big takeaways? You know, what should they be looking for? What should they be focused? We, we talked about vaccination and actually I want to, the, there was a great slide at the end here, which I'm going to pull out with, with your big three eights. Tell us about, tell us about th- these three and what, pet owners and pet rescuers should have it okay. top of mind when dealing right. with Parvo. We have a internal slogan at PPRC and it's put us out of business, vaccinate your dogs. I would love nothing more than one day someone saying, I'm sorry, we don't need your services right. anymore. Thank you. <laughs> We're be, done. That would be just, we would love it. Early retirement. But this is kind of what we call the three ain'ts. <clears throat> vaccinate your dogs. Isolate them. If you think they're sick, isolate them separate them. If you got a litter of dogs and one puppy's being weird, separate that puppy. Don't risk the other puppies. The last one is decontaminate. And I'll do real quick on Mm -hmm. decontamination. The only thing, there are several things that work to decontaminate for Parvo. Lysol, Fabuloso, none of those work. They don't cut it. Okay. You got to get in the chlorine family. Oh, okay. Clorox, mixed and you can do a Clorox mixture. And this website that you're going to put up has an awesome page about the very things that work to decontaminate a home. If you think you have had Parvo in your house, decontaminate it. Wait a week, decontaminate (laughs) it again. Uh, It's worth it. It'll give you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Use the um, the proper solutions to do it. If you're outside... The best decontamination is sunlight. If you can't, there are some new products out on the um, market that I'm not as familiar with that are claiming they can decontaminate soil. Wouldn't that be? I mean, we're not having a shortage of sun in Texas right now, so at least we have that working in our favor. But uh, um, we're, like you said, we're going to be posting these links, these resources on our website. We kind of want to, because Parvo is so incredibly prevalent here in Texas. I mean, it's not just Texas, but we have... We feel like we have like an, an extra added parvo. <laughs> Just ask here. the people up north. They go, the, what do y'all do the down there? What now? <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you dealing with? So we're gonna we're gonna try and offer up some resources for okay. all of our followers to talk about parvo and what the risks are and why vaccination is so incredibly important. I mean, as Texans, as citizens, we have kind of come in contact with our own version of a highly contagious and mm-hmm. and very deadly disease, and so we know how important vaccination is. So we're going to keep pushing that. Um, that's one of the that's one of the vaccines that we provide to all of our uh, spay and neuter surgeries that we do. It uh, is so incredibly important. And well, y'all do an excellent job of supporting because the rescues have gotten deeply involved in. Let's get them neutered. Let's get them spayed. Yeah. But let's get them vaccinated. Yes. And there are. I mean, there are hundreds of rescues out there doing free vaccination sites. And I know I've seen you guys sponsor yeah. some of them. I, even if there's somebody's listening to this who is not in a rescue, mm-hmm. who simply picked up this podcast, pick up, go out to the internet, look who's doing free, low cost yeah. spade neuter. I mean, spade neuters, but also vaccinate mm-hmm. the dogs and 
do what you need to do to protect those dogs. You don't want to experience parvo in a dog. No, it's parvo is a heartbreaking thing for the the novices to go through it. Yeah. I mean, even our people who have seen it, we've lost a lot of dogs to it. It's still heartbreaking. Yeah. It, it's not a pleasant thing to watch, and it's a simple three-shot thing that can can protect the dog. Protect them. And, and, you know, your team, special shout out to the PPRC team. I mean, that's, that is choosing to, to do a very difficult, very heartbreaking job and they do it from what I have, you know, seen beautifully. So thank y'all for the hard work that you do. Um, again, for our, our listeners, Paraland Parva Recovery Center, a very unique and very important piece of the rescue community helping uh, to mitigate this disaster that is parvovirus and puppies. So thank you for everything you do, Jeanette. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, you here on Conversations for the Animals. Um, and thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>